Happy New Year! Yep. We're back. Yep. We're better than ever, hopefully. Yep. <laughs> I hope we're better than ever since I'm starting out. It's a lot of pressure. Yep. You really you really started this episode like on a very high note and <laughs> Well, I'm excited to be back. I have the feeling knowing our recent episodes is gonna go downhill quick. <laughs> well, I I'm under a lot of pressure because you literally said to me, you better make this a good episode and don't disappoint. <laughs> I don't remember saying that. I, I have the text message, but okay. that's fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm not saying I didn't say it, but. No, it's going to be good. Um, this is like, this is the best notes I think I've ever had for an episode. I have 15 really? pages of notes today. That's good. Yeah, I put a lot of work into this. You have how many? 15, 15 pages? 15, yeah. Oh, yeah. Here we go. Four-hour episode. Um, it is 14-point font, one-and-a-half spaced, so it's maybe oh. not as much as you thought, but still. Oh, my gosh. It's more than I've ever had. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Um, before we get into that, did you have a good Christmas? Yep. Good break? Uh, yes, I did. Good. I am glad that we took the break over the holidays. It was super busy. Yeah. It was... Did you get anything cool for Christmas? Uh, yeah. Dirk got me some shoes I had been wanting and a charm for my bracelet and a little like fondue pot to melt chocolate in. Like dip really? stuff in. Yeah, it's cool. You So you got a fondue pot and you didn't even offer it before the podcast? <laughs> well, I don't have the chocolate chips for it right now. Oh my God. Maybe next time though. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. The very last episode of Converse. <laughs> Because we didn't get to use the fondue pot. <laughs> yep. My life is ruined <laughs> and everything is bad. <laughs> I got these new headphones. Yeah, those look so super nice. Yeah, they're very comfortable. My other ones, my other ones, I've been using Audio Technica headphones for forever, and this is going to resonate with exactly 1% of our audience. <laughs> Audio Technica is a very good company and they make very good headphones, but, and they make very good microphones and they do a good job. Shout out Audio Technica. But um, I had a pair of their headphones when I was in college doing uh, audio engineering stuff, and they kind of wore out themselves. And so I got another set that was a little bit higher end, and they have since, I've had them for years, and they have since. They've lived a good long out. life. They have. Certain I really. Purpose. Yeah. But now these are bare dynamic, and they've got a soft. A softer thing, uh, ear cup, and they are, they have a better frequency response and they are nice and they don't hurt my ears for a long period of time if I wear them for a long time, which I often do. Yeah, they're comfy. I so, tried them on for a second. I like them. Like my ears are so small, they go completely inside <laughs> yours. Yeah, my ears are big. Hmm. I have my grandpa's ears. <laughs> and they still go completely inside, so it's That's good. Nice. Yep. So we we rested up on the holiday break, and now we're back and we're ready to get into it. Can I ask you a question before we actually get started? Though, yeah. mm -hmm. is, is this too long of an intro? No, go ahead. Um, did you research anything creepy over the holiday? I'm sure I did. Is I've... there any any news that you might have heard that's scary over the holiday? But the mall. The mall. The Miami mall. Miami. Yeah, thing. that just happened this within the last week. Yep. Yeah. You want to talk about that real quick? Yeah. So listen. Okay. <laughs> I knew listen you up, did. <laughs> listen up, audience. So listen. Hey, 
Hey, Shane's getting on the conspiracy train. Just a warning. You all knew it was coming after his unhinged rant at the last episode in December. Uh, yeah. It's here. Hey, here listen, we are. Why? Why did se- like 70 million police officers respond to a mall in Miami for supposedly a bunch of teenagers fighting, like four or five teenagers fighting? Why did they do that? Why is there so many? And why is there no footage of it? I wonder why. And everybody's saying, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 there was 10 foot, nine or 10 foot black entities running around this mall, like sucking people's blood and stuff. What the heck? Hey, how come, how come nobody's talking about that? And how come, how come all those cops responded? What the heck? And it wasn't, there wasn't a bomb. There wasn't a shooting. You would hear about it if it was a shooting. You know they would. And so, and so, because the news loves the report about shootings. They love it. It's their favorite thing. But, but there's aliens and nobody's talking about it. Are you kidding me? Let's circle back to that. Because I don't have any answers for you. There's aliens in Miami. And we're not just talking about. Never mind. Shane. I didn't want to say it. That's enough. So, (laughs) anyway. We're going to get into the episode okay? We're not just talking about the massive drug use in Miami. We're talking about (laughs) real life. Aliens in the mall. Yeah, but aliens in the blood. Yeah. (laughs) But they're not in the blood. They're in the mall. They're at, they're at, they're at, what's that store that nobody goes in? Buckle. They're at Buckle (laughs) and Lids. (laughs) That's why you haven't seen them yet, but that's where they've been hiding the whole time. Oh my god! Like that guy in the Man in Black movie where he shoots him in the head and then he's small and then he grows into a new head. Remember, <laughs> that? Remember that? Yeah. <laughs> this is part thirty-seven on Shane's bad explanation. Well, maybe of nobody's talking about it because they got their memories wiped with the thing. Are you just saying that for the episode, or are you saying that truthfully? Like in Men in Black, when they zapped everybody's memories. I bet they have that technology. They did it at the mall, and that's why no one's talking about it. But they do. They so well. People are talking about it. There's videos of people saying, "Hey, there's there are these things there," and there no was videos of the aliens. There was a very grainy video of some officers shining a spotlight, and there was something like shadowy there. But I don't. It's way too blurry and grainy to really tell what it is. Mm-hmm. And it could be something. So I'm always very skeptical about like video footage like that, where it's like, it's like blurry. Yeah. Where like, like the Bigfoot videos, where it's like this is just blurry. Mm-hmm. So like you can't actually see. But anyway, start the episode. We're doing. Okay, listen, listen. Yep. How did two people manage to lead hundreds of others into believing they were divinely chosen to board a spaceship and live with aliens on another planet? This is just the tip of the iceberg for the Heaven's Gate cult and the interesting things they got into, ultimately leading to their morbid end. This is Country Country Roads Creeps. Creeps. Nice. It's good to be back in it. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, This is a weird one. There is so much to this story. That's good. Yeah. (laughs) I'm still hung up on the aliens in my... We're moving on, though. So you're going to have to put it in a box in your brain. We're not talking about that anymore. I so I talked to my cousin over Christmas, and she said that um, she was listening to our podcast. Yeah, and I was, you know, she sent me like a Snapchat or whatever of our first episode. Oh, Gloria I, Ramirez. Yeah, Gloria Ramirez. Shout out her. Anyway, <laughs> so my cousin was like, "Yeah," so I. I listened to yours and 
I didn't know that she was still listening after like the first episode because why would anybody? <laughs> and, <laughs> and she was like, no, it's I like listening to podcasts of like people that I actually know. Oh, that's nice. Um, and people that I don't know are boring. And so that was a very heartwarming. <laughs> so shout out my cousin for making me feel good. Yeah, that's nice. Um, because I'm not boring. <laughs> anyway, follow our Instagram page. <laughs> okay, guys, can, can I continue with this now? <laughs> no, because there's aliens in Miami and nobody's saying anything <laughs> about it. Shane's freaking out. <laughs> okay it's my turn all right so um i know we have like some listeners who sometimes they listen to this with their children um which is awesome but i just wanted to throw out a warning you might not want to do that for this episode not because i'm going to say anything like really intense but just because this episode is about a cult and you know what kind of stuff like cults get into so there's just some things coming in towards the end of this episode that you might not want your child to be aware of yet. So you can do with that information what you want. Just wanted to put that at the beginning. Yeah, the, the viewer discretion is advised. Yeah, viewer discretion. Yep. Again, I'm not saying anything like super, super horrible, but it is about a cult. So you can read between the lines on that one. All right, so we're going to start with some background information, okay? Our first major player in this story is named Marshall Herf Applewhite Jr. Good name. Yep, good name. He was born in Spur, Texas on May 17th, 1931. His father was obviously named Marshall Herf Applewhite Sr. His mother was Louise Winfield, and um, he had three siblings. So his father was a Presbyterian minister, so Applewhite grew up in a very religious home, and he was religious himself. Things were, you know, normal for him for a while, just a normal religious upbringing. Um, He went to Corpus Christi High School and then Austin College, where he got a bachelor's degree in philosophy in 1952. And next, he went to Union Presbyterian Seminary to study theology and become a minister like his father. During this, he married a woman named Ann Pierce. They would later go on to have two children named Mark and Lane. Uh, But he didn't finish seminary school. He actually left there pretty early on because he decided to try to have a music career. Ooh. So a little bit of a a career change. Can I ask you a question? Yeah. What is it with cult leaders and music careers? <laughs> I don't know, but like uh, fair question. Um, Charles Manson had his little cult going on, and they actually hang out with the Beach Boys a lot, like a lot, a lot. Like they were best friends, and then um, also. Uh, the Branch Davidians had that rock band. Yeah. They were really good and cool. I mean, there might be something to that. Yeah. Maybe so, like the attention thing. Yeah. Oh, and like, okay, so, you know, people in the music industry get fans that are, become like followers. They get really obsessed with them and stuff. So maybe it's something to do with that. He, well. Like attention and having people like really like you and like what you do. I don't know. Yeah, but I don't know that any of them really got famous with their music careers it just happens to be like one of those things where like the it seems like a lot of the cult leaders happen to play music for the for the cult i don't know maybe there's something to it maybe it's just a coincidence but anyway so he tries to um, pursue a music career and he becomes the music director of a presbyterian church in north carolina Hmm. 
He got drafted into the army in 1954 and served in Austria and New Mexico, but he got out in 1956. Then he enrolled at the University of Colorado, where he got a master's degree in music, and he was kind of like involved in musical theater. I think that was part of the focus of his degree. Uh-huh. So again, nothing too crazy has happened up to this point. However, as with all of these stories, things do start to go downhill quickly. Okay. Yep. So when he was done with school in Colorado, he tried to have a professional singing career. But unfortunately, this did not work out for him. So he started teaching at the University of Alabama. Like this dude has been all over the place. <laughs> yep. He's in Alabama. And here is where things went bad. He got fired from that school for having an inappropriate relationship with a male student. Oh, no. Yeah. So uh, he, and like he was married. So like Double two, bad. two bad things there. First of all, don't do that with a student. Second of all, don't cheat on your wife. Like that's a bad thing to do. Yep. So he separates from his wife in 1965 when she found out about the affair and they were officially divorced three years later. Um, so then I think after that happens, he goes and tells his parents, you know, that he's gay. And so his father disowns him, which is sad, but also don't cheat on your wife. Right. Like, you know, yeah, that's so, good. so like that was hard on him because his father rejected him. So he, uh, Applewhite moves to Houston and becomes the chair of the music department for the university of St. Thomas. So I guess the record of what he did, uh, in Alabama didn't follow him cause he got hired at another school. Yeah. So record keeping must not have been like that strict. The courthouse fire. Yeah. <laughs> the um, records burned in the courthouse fire. No, it seems like back in the day. When, what year was this? This was in the uh, s- late 60s. 60s. So it seems like there wasn't, like for a long time, there wasn't very much. You could just restart somewhere yeah, else. You could just move away and start over. So I didn't really know what you had been up to. Because, like, nowadays like if you do anything there's like record of it that stays with you forever and it's like everybody knows but back in the day it was like no you just have to leave moved and got a second chance i guess to teach again um so he was at the university of saint thomas his students liked him he was able to become a popular local singer in the area he was the choir director of a church he performed with the Houston Grand Opera. So things were looking up for him for a second, yeah. <laughs> but it, he didn't maintain that. He, While he was there, he tried to have a relationship with a woman, even though he was openly gay. Um, this didn't work out because the girl's family was unsupportive and like put a lot of pressure on her to break up with him. And she eventually did give in to that because mm-hmm. her family was just like not really having it. So he was very upset by this, and he resigned from the college in 1970 because of his emotional struggles. That was the reasoning that he gave, was like emotional turmoil is why he said he resigned. However, there was speculation that his resignation was because he had been inappropriately involved with a student again. But there wasn't hard evidence of the second one, so that could have just been a rumor. Um, yeah, you but know, I don't know. The old rumor mill. <laughs> right. The president of that university was recorded stating that Applewhite was mentally jumbled and disorganized near the end of his employment. So he was not doing well. Um, Then he moved to New Mexico in 1971 and he worked in a deli for a while and that went okay. But he moved back to Texas later that same year and his father died shortly after he moved back. And that was extremely hard on Applewhite because I don't think that they had ever 
like reconciled from when he got rejected from his family. Right. So he was really struggling with depression. He started building up debt. He was having to borrow money from his friends, just not doing well overall. Things were bad. Now we bring in our second major player to this story. Oh boy. Okay. So this is a woman named Bonnie Lee Nettles. Her maiden name was Trousdale. Um, but I'm oh, I'm glad she changed it. Refer to her as Nettles for this. She was born on August 29th, 1927, and raised in Houston, Texas, in a Baptist household. Um, she began to move away from religion as an adult, but didn't leave it completely. She just started to like branch out. So she was still religious, but not necessarily Baptist anymore. Yeah. What <laughs> were you laughing at? Just thinking about cults being like it's a religious cult. So it's like <laughs> she left religion, came back to it later on. Well, it actually sure. was not super religious cult at the beginning. Oh. It, it Like it had religious aspects, but it wasn't like what you're thinking. I... So whenever I made the post for today, like the announcement for yeah. today, I um, usually I'll ask you to send me something to type for like your episodes. Yeah, but I didn't. Uh, yeah, well, I forgot to ask. <laughs> and I forgot to do it. I forgot to ask. And uh, so I just today when I made it, I... Um, no, like, I, your description was still good because it, it definitely has religious parts to it and it was heavily influenced by New Age religious stuff. Yeah. Well, so I just looked up Heaven's Gate yeah. cult, and the first thing on like the Wikipedia page is like Heaven's Gate is was a quote-unquote new religious movement, and then it, in parentheses said, some would refer to as a cult, and I'm like, yeah. it is? It is a cult. 100%. What? Um, I, I'm going to lose my train of thought, but I did read this like one article where one of the experts that was talking about it said he doesn't like it to be referred to as a cult. And I'm like, but buddy, it just is, okay? I'm sorry, but it is. All right. Uh, Do we have a cult, do you think? No. <laughs> so back to Bonnie Lee Nettles, okay? She became a nurse. She married a businessman named Joseph Seagal Nettles in December 1949. They had four kids. Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Stop. I'm sorry. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> uh all right no it's okay i was laughing at you and also laughing at this next note because it's gonna make you laugh okay okay so i'm i'm going from they had four kids to she started doing seances Mm -hmm. and believed that she was able to communicate with a 19th century monk named brother francis and he would tell her what to do Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and she also visited fortune tellers pretty often. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so like just all kinds of stuff was happening in, the, in this woman's life. I Can I tell you something that is <laughs> something that I believe about myself? Okay. <laughs> I have the type of male confidence, like blind confidence in things. I think that I could be a fortune teller. Like just naturally, <laughs> I feel like I could do I could do those reading the card things. I don't know about that, Shane. I bet I could. I'm glad that you believe in yourself that strongly, but I don't, I don't know about that. If times ever get hard, ah, uh, that's what I'm gonna go and just be like, yeah, it means this. Okay. I feel like I can definitely do that. <laughs> All right. So in 1972 is when Applewhite meets Nettles. This mm-hmm. is where things begin. 
All right. Good. It's possible that he met her when he was visiting someone at the hospital where she worked as a nurse, but it's really kind of unclear where they first met. Yep. So uh, it, it doesn't matter. Musicians love meeting nurses at hospitals. <laughs> so they meet, whatever. And she offered to do an astrological reading for him, and they decided together that they had a spiritual connection. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. That if a girl ever tells you, <laughs> if a girl ever, if any female, any female tells you and does a card reading and says, we have a spiritual connection, run. <laughs> So far. Are you speaking from experience? <laughs> run, maybe. <laughs> run so far from girls who do the, like magic things and are like, <laughs> we're meant to be together. No, you're not. Oh my that gosh. Is, no, that is the not. number one thing that means you're not meant to be together. In fact, you're meant to be so far apart <laughs> that they will never know what your new Instagram <laughs> handle is. Oh my gosh. That's hilarious. It, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. Uh, <laughs> I did I did your card reading, and I found out your found out your uh, what do they call it when you're born? A place, a time, a certain month. Your your astrology sign. Yeah, your zodiac sign. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know that, and I know what your moon and your Jupiter was, and I know what. You're gonna make some people mad. Whatever. Any girl who says that is like, (laughs) go so far away from those women. Okay, back on track. So they they have their connection, and they found out they shared interests regarding religion and biblical prophecy, but they also start to explore astrology together and and some other types of theology. It's just really a jumble of stuff that they Mm -hmm. start to explore. So Applewhite decided that they had met in a past life, and Nettles said that their meeting was predicted by extraterrestrials and convinced Mm -hmm. Applewhite that he had a divine assignment. They, through these beliefs, form a close friendship. (laughs) All right. Um, Nettles' husband divorced her as she grew closer and closer to Applewhite, and she did not keep custody of her children. So they had four. I think when they got divorced, one was already grown. So the custody didn't wasn't in play for her, but okay. the other three she didn't have custody of them. Um, so she like kind of doesn't have contact with her family, and Applewhite cuts off contact with the rest of his family too. So it's just these two together. They move in together, and by all accounts, they never had an intimate relationship. They just Good. they describe themselves as being platonic soulmates. Oh my gosh, yeah. that is the that's so crazy. <laughs> Platonic soulmate. We're meant to be together. The cards say so. <laughs> I drew I drew pocket aces. <laughs> we're meant to be together. Okay. I can't, I can't get over it. Yeah. That's the kind of thing it's that... It's interesting. It's the kind of thing that makes me think of that, uh, that movie where Shia LaBeouf is like, Shut up! Say Christ is Lord! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now we're going to get into their next moves now that they're paired up. Okay. So Applewhite and Nettles open a bookstore called the Christian Arts Center. Oh, good. Yeah, but despite what that name might imply, the store carried books on various spiritual topics. It wasn't just Christianity. Figures. Yeah. So they also opened a business called No Place, no like K-N-O-W, No Place, where they taught classes on 
theosophy and mysticism. What is theosophy? Um, I looked it up because I didn't know either, and I copied this definition for us. Okay. Theosophy is teaching about God and the world based on mystical insight. <sighs> Go ahead. <laughs> Shane is fed up. <laughs> I, you, the, so first of all, teaching about God, I'm about 95% sure. I don't know for 100%, but 95% of me says the Bible specifically says don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) With mysticism? Yeah, Yeah. you're not supposed to do that. Mm -hmm. So uh, they closed both of these businesses pretty quickly. And then in February 1972, they start traveling around the Western United States because they want to teach others about their beliefs. But this was like super unorganized it was very poorly planned they didn't even really have like a concrete idea of what their beliefs were like it was very jumbled mm-hmm. they just started talking to people um they didn't have much money so they would work odd jobs sometimes they would sell their blood to get money because that's they didn't have any sometimes they only had bread to eat and a lot they would often just stay at campgrounds that they came across i could do that if they did stay in lodging, they w- would uh, most times skip out on paying their bills. So, like, yeah. dine and dash, but for lodging. <laughs> um, I could eat bread at a campground <laughs> for, like, a, I feel like a longer amount of time than most people. Um, I do love bread, and I do love camping, but I wouldn't want to do it forever, I don't think. I'm not saying forever, but I feel very strongly this is another confidence thing that I have. <laughs> I'm confident that I would be the top at least top 10 percentile of eating bread at a campground of the entire human populace, I think. Feeling good about yourself today. Yeah. That's good. Extremely confident. All right. So somehow while they're traveling all over the Western part of the country, they were able to keep in communication with one of their friends from Houston and they convinced her to believe what they were teaching. And she became their first convert when they went to visit her in May, 1974. She like, Left her family and kids to go be with them, but she ended up going home a month later. She maybe came to her senses. You remember the thing that we posted, you sent me to post on our story? And it was, um, I'm not dumb enough to join a cult, but I am curious. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe that's what she was just kind of curious. Yeah. Then she's like, okay, I'm I'm out. I'm going back home. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty funny. <laughs> it's like, it's not dumb enough to join a cult, but I am nosy or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, they still didn't have a very concrete plan, but while they were traveling, they were able to somewhat put together an outline of what they believed. This is wild. Okay. You ready? Oh, good. Okay. All right. And this is just the beginning. Like this develops later on. Oh, so good. by June, 1974, they were saying that they had been chosen to fulfill biblical prophecies and had higher level minds than other people. Mm-hmm. They wrote a pamphlet that discussed Jesus's reincarnation as a Texan, specifically, <laughs> and made references, listen, and made references to this being apple white. What? I know, okay? No, but there's more. There's more, okay? I need you to stick with me here. Let me get through this. Then we can fall apart. Listen, they also decided that they were the two witnesses spoken of in the book of Revelation. Okay. (laughs) Listen, I'm going to read that part to you. All right. This reference comes from Revelation chapter 11, verses 1 through 14. I have the English standard version. Yep. Okay. Good translation. Then I was given a measuring rod like a staff, and I was told, 
Rise and measure the temple of God and the altar and those who worship there, but do not measure the court outside the temple. Leave that out, for it is given over to the nations, and they will trample the holy city for 42 months. And I will grant authority to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. And if anyone would harm them, fire pours from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified. Mm-hmm. For three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents, because these two prophets had been a torment to those who dwell on the earth. But after the three and a half days, a breath of life from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. And at that hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the God of heaven. So the two witnesses are believed by scholars to either be two actual people, two groups of people, or two concepts. But Applewhite and Nettles decided it was them. They decided that they were those two witnesses in the passage, which, what? (laughs) Yeah. So what? That's crazy. Yeah. That so okay. Okay, so first of all, Applewhite is Texan Jesus. Yeah, he thinks okay, so that Okay. gets explained a little later on, but I'm gonna go ahead and give you a tidbit. Uh aliens are gonna be brought into their beliefs yeah. here. So they think that like the same extraterrestrial spirit that they believe that was in Jesus is going to also be in Applewhite. Huh. The same extraterrestrial that was in Jesus. Yeah. They think that okay. it has like reincarnated itself inside Applewhite. Right. Okay. Which is just insane. But the other thing is they <laughs> think that they are the two witnesses. Yeah, in that okay. passage in Revelation. My question, I guess, is that how are you able to be both Jesus and the two witnesses? That is an excellent question. If Jesus is also in Revelation yeah. after the witnesses. Yeah. And the other thing is, did have you ever heard the theory that in Revelation those two witnesses are Elijah and I, I believe Moses? Yeah. Have you heard that? Well, I came across it when I was doing this. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so for those of you who don't know, those the the two the the two witnesses that Hannah was reading from the passage from Revelation. Um, it uh, talks about um, what they are able to do. And um, Elijah in uh, the Old Testament was a prophet of God, and he was the one who made fun of, like completely roasted the prophets of Baal. And uh, Moses, also he didn't die, I don't think. He's like one of the people in the Bible that didn't actually die. He was, it says that he was like caught up in a, to be with God or something like that. Uh, yeah, I think that's right. And I'm not sure about Moses. Or, no, it was 
Was it Enoch and Elijah? Because that's another theory that the two were Enoch and Elijah. I don't know. But Elijah I, didn't. Elijah was the one that got yeah. caught up. Yeah. But I think the reason that people have thought that it might be Moses is because they can turn the rivers to blood, and that's what Moses did. Uh-huh. That was like the first thing that he did in. Uh, yeah. The Book yeah. Yeah. Of yeah. Exodus. You're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. So. Um, that was like the first actual plague, but um, in in the Egyptians. But anyway, so that was. It's an interesting theory. I don't I mean. Obviously, it could be any and literally anything. Apple or, white nettles think that they are these two people. Yeah. <laughs> so that's mega cool. Yeah. All right. So um, they would go to churches and discuss this. They would say they were going to be killed and restored to life, but they added on a fun little extra piece that they were also going to be transported to a spaceship after they were restored to life. Right. Um, They called this event the demonstration, like title demonstration. And they said it would support their claims once it happened, which like, obviously, if this happens, it's going to support your claims. That's how things typically work. When it does... You'll will be us. proven right. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> what happens if they die? But like, what if, what if they get people on the hook for a long time and people are like, okay, when is it going to happen? And they're like, any day. And then they die. Yeah. And then people are like, what did we just wasted 30 years of our lives? Well, we're going to talk about that later. Um, so as you can imagine, their ideas were not well received at the churches they went to, believe it or not. People didn't like that theory that they had. Uh, okay. Counter <laughs> Counterpoint. <laughs> and sorry to keep interrupting. No, it's okay. This interject. is an insane story. There's a lot to comment on. People did not like when Jesus said that he was God in the Bible. <laughs> in mean, fact, fair. they threatened to throw him off a cliff, I believe. So, yeah. I don't know what to say to that. I mean, obviously I'm <laughs> I'm just being away about it, but it's it Yeah. It is. And maybe some people had the same thought as you because they did get followers. That's so insane that they got followers. I cannot believe that. So their ideas were not well received, and this made them sad, but they kept going. In August 1974, Applewhite got arrested in Texas because he didn't return a car that he had rented in Missouri. And his defense was that he had been divinely authorized to keep the car. (laughs) Shockingly, that didn't work. The authorities didn't believe that. Right. Yeah, he, yeah, so he was taken uh, back to Missouri, and he was put in St. Louis in a jail for six months. While in jail, he gets really into the topic of extraterrestrials. Like, he was into it before. Now he's, like, deep into it. Yeah. So when he gets released, he and Nettles get serious about trying to contact aliens. And they get serious about gathering followers that would believe the same things as them. They, so they start publishing advertisements, they're holding meetings, they're recruiting followers, and the people that join them, they call them the crew. And at the meetings, they would say that they were beings from a different planet called the next level. So throughout the rest of this episode, when I say next level, that's the name of the planet they thought they were going to. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And so they were looking for participants for an experiment is what they were telling people. Is there a boss fight before you go to the next level? <laughs> no. <laughs> you just have to be on the spaceship, and it's going to take you to next level. Right, okay. Um, and participants were led to believe they would be brought to a higher level of existence, whatever that means. It was pretty vague. Just, you are going to be better than everyone else. <laughs> um, during this time, Nettles and Applewhite called themselves Guinea and Pig as their new names. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Applewhite also described himself as a lab instructor, and he did most of the talking at the meetings, but Nettles would join in too occasionally. Um, They didn't really talk directly to their followers. They, like, talked at them during these meetings, but not on a personal level. Like, they wouldn't go have conversations with them. They just would, like, here's our lecture, and... Here's the lecture, no questions. Pretty much, yeah. It's like... There wasn't a lot of um, connection. It's like when a senator is in trouble and they have to give one of those apology speeches and then they're like, okay, but what about, and they're like, I got to go have a meeting and they walk away. Yeah. So. Yeah. So um, at this time, the group was named the Human Individual Metamorphosis. Human Individual Metamorphosis. Him. Yeah. I didn't realize that when I did the notes. Him. (laughs) Yep. Okay, in April 1975, they went to different groups that were spread out in California, like churches, colleges, New Age groups. They just were traveling around, and they were somehow able to convince more people to follow them, even though they had really bad press from the media at the time, because they, st- they were starting to get noticed. Um, media was not favorable to them. They were mocked relentlessly. They were accused of brainwashing people. Okay. But, so- but they kept getting people to come with them. Yeah. That, uh, uh, yeah. By the end of 1975, they had 70 followers, and they were referring to themselves as Bo and Peep. So we have a second nickname change. We've gone from guinea and pig to Bo and Peep. Okay. All right. When, when do they change their names to scam and artists? <laughs> um, maybe now. <laughs> so, okay, now things really start making, start not making sense. Like, they already don't make sense. We're going even deeper into that. Okay, I'm ready. Okay, so Applewhite believed that you needed to completely separate from earthly desires before you could go to next level. So members of the group had to renounce their friends, their family. They couldn't be involved with media, no drugs, no alcohol, no jewelry, no facial hair, and no intimate relationships. Except with him. (laughs) No, actually. This is not that kind of cult, surprisingly. Good. Yeah, I didn't want to talk about that. That's why I didn't yeah. do the other cult we were considering. I was like, I really don't want to. Which was the other one? Oneida. Oh, yeah. I was, like, I was like looking into that and I was like, I don't want to talk about that on the podcast. So I picked this one because it wasn't as gross. Okay. Um, you're going to like this fact. <laughs> At first, members had to take on biblical names to replace their names. But Applewhite soon changed that to be names that had three consonants at the beginning and ended in O-D-Y. So I found three examples of members' new names. Okay. Ricody, Jamodi, and Lavodi. Ricody spelled R-K-K-O-D-Y. Jamodi spelled J-M-M-O-D-Y. And Livodi spelled L-V-V-O-D-Y. There are children <laughs> in 2024 <laughs> that are going to grade school and have similar names. Ricody, Jamodi, Livodi. <laughs> So everybody's name was like that. Three consonants at the beginning, O-D-Y at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, The group's still pretty nomadic. They're moving around. They're living in remote campgrounds. They stopped having public meetings. um, And Bo and Peep, as they were going by, (laughs) Bo and Peep, didn't spend much time teaching or talking to their followers. So they actually lost some members due to the lack of attention and communication. Yeah. Um, People just kind of dropped off and went back to what they were doing previously. Um, Applewhite and Nettles, for some reason, get it in their heads that they're going to be assassinated. I don't know where that that came from, but they just got scared that was going to happen. So they start telling their followers that their deaths would be like the two witnesses in Revelation. 
But conveniently, later on, they backtrack and they say that their treatment from the press was a form of assassination. So wouldn't you know it? The prophecy was already actually fulfilled. They had already been assassinated by like the press. A character assassination? Yeah. <laughs> and they had been revived from it. So resurrected. stupid. So the the worst part about cults is that they all say things like that. Like our our yeah. assassination is going to be like the deaths of the prophets in the book of Revelation. It's like, okay, well, that happens in like, what was it, chapter 11? Yeah. There's 10 chapters before that of things that have to happen before that. Yeah. So just where's the other... And everyone in your cult can just read it for themselves because it's the same book. Yeah. So, well, and in Miami. No. <laughs> I took a drink of coffee right yeah. before you said that. <laughs> okay. Um, we have a third name change in 1976. Oh, good. They decide to go by Doe and T. Applewhite was Doe, Nettles was T. Oh, a deer, a female deer. Ray, a <laughs> drop of golden sun. All right, these names stick around. Me, Quit, we're name going to get copyright claimed. I call myself. <laughs> so those far, a long, long hey. way to run. Hey, I need you to settle down, okay? <laughs> Back up from your mic. Thank you. Stop. I, I can see the next verse about to burst out of you. Stop. No. <laughs> All right, so these nicknames stick around to the end. Um. This made me laugh so hard. Applewhite stated that these were meaningless names. They just, <laughs> <laughs> they just picked them. He was like, yeah, they don't have a meaning. I'm Doe, she's T. All right. Okay, so that's really okay. funny. Okay. All right. In June 1976, they get all their followers that they have at this time to go to the Medicine Bow National Forest. Where is that? Southeastern Wyoming. Oh, and they did good. this with the promise of a UFO visit. Yeah. Um, Want to guess what happened? Um, let's see. I feel like a UFO did not happen, mm-hmm. but there was something very insignificant that did happen where they were like, this is, see, we were right. Um, no, your first one. Absolutely nothing happened. Okay. The UFO visit is canceled. Right. So while they're all up there, they get divided up into smaller groups called star clusters, and they're sent to live in various campgrounds kind of spread throughout the Rocky Mountains down to Texas. So things have been pretty loosely structured up to this point, uh, but Applewhite and Nettles started to put more demands on their followers, which actually helped them keep more people. I guess like the type of people that are attracted to being in cults want structure and want directions. So, So when they like started to be a little more strict, they had more retention. Yeah, I guess that's a thing for like people who want to join cults and like live with a they cult want is that they and, Yeah, they want Yeah. They want a sense of belonging and they yeah. want they want a sense of community that they don't have in their normal kind of run of the mill right. business. And uh, I guess people just especially if they're kind of outcasts to begin with. You see a yeah. lot of that with um Charles Manson, and you see a lot of that with, like, the Branch Davidians and stuff, too. Yeah. So, it was like, once they added more rules, they started keeping more people. Um, They still pretty much only communicated with the groups through letters or assistance. They didn't really do much communication themselves directly, but somehow they were able to make everybody believe that 
the two of them were the only source of truth. So like nobody else could have any big revelations about what they believed. It had to come from Applewhite and Nettles to be the truth. Hmm. Um, They discouraged close friendships. They limited contact with people that were not followers. They made their people completely dependent on them. But somehow they managed to do this all in a way that made the people see Applewhite as like a father figure that they wanted to listen to and they wanted to get guidance from him. Like they believed he was take like had good interests for them. You know what I mean? It's also like a thing with a lot of cults, I think. Yeah. The, the leader tends to become like a father figure kind of guy. Right. So, uh, we're in the 1970s. Now the group was down to 40 followers when they got a bunch of money from somewhere, there was the idea that maybe one of their followers had received an inheritance and donated it to the group or just somebody made some type of big donation to them. Um, and they used all this money to rent houses. First, they were in Denver, and then they were in Dallas. So um, Applewhite and Nettles typically had their own house, which they called the craft, while the other members had to share. And they all covered their windows, and they were very secretive about what they were doing wherever they were living. Like everyone covered their windows? Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah, if you lived in one of the group houses, you had your windows covered. Uh, now, they started to get really strict at this point, and they implemented almost a type of boot camp to try to get everybody ready to go to the next level or to next level to the planet. Everything was scheduled each day down to the minute, including what they wore, um, what they ate. Like they had to wear the same things. They had the same haircuts. They had to eat the same meals. Every, they wanted everything to be as the same as possible. And your entire day was scheduled. Kind of like a prison almost. Yeah. Well, maybe even worse. I mean, like, you have no free time. Um, everything had to be exactly the same. So followers that weren't committed to living like this were act- were encouraged to leave because Applewhite said he wanted quality over quantity. I thought it was interesting that those that left were given financial assistance to leave. So, like, that's kind of nice and odd. They were, they were given money? Yeah, they, like, if somebody wanted to leave, they gave them some money to help them, like, get on their feet wherever they were going, I guess. Oh, that's better than... It's interesting, isn't it? That's actually nicer than a certain current cult who is extremely litigious about saying mean things about their cult. (laughs) Please don't get us in trouble. They sell books to their people and have lots of famous actors that are members of the (laughs) Yeah. They... They killed the wife of the guy who runs it when she wanted to leave. So you can take with that what you want to. Yep. And if you don't know who we're talking about, send us a message. (laughs) That (laughs) is a fact. You can look it up. Yep. Um, So I guess since Applewhite didn't beg or try to convince people to stay, this made the followers that really wanted to be in the group even more desperate for his approval. Does that make sense? Yeah, because... It's it's almost like a thing of. It's like oh, you can leave whenever you want. So the people that are here really yeah. want to be here. Yeah, we don't. We don't want to leave if you're here. And yeah. If you don't want to be here, then, then we don't go. need you. Right. Like they're they're not begging you to oh please stay. And there's like we, if you don't want to be here, then go. We only want people who do want to be here. Yeah. And so if you do want to be here, then you need to be completely one hundred percent committed. Yeah. 
And that's the only way you're going to get your father's approval. Right. So they like kept the people that were really believing in this stuff. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so there was after this, there was one time when they were in Texas. He told the people that were still in the group that extraterrestrials were coming and he made them wait outside all night before saying it was just a test. And the followers were just okay with this. They fell even more under his control. They weren't mad that he had to wait outside all night for a test. They were like, oh yeah, okay, that makes sense. Yeah, we, we have to... Weed out the ones that don't really want to be here, I guess. Yeah, and we definitely do believe. And so if we stay out here all night, then... We prove that we believe or something. Could you imagine if they actually did show up? <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy. And he was like... Yeah, uh, it worked! Called it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in 1980, the group had grown back up to about 80 followers. It fluctuates a lot. They started getting a little bit more uh, freedom kind of in the 80s. They were allowed to call their families in 1982. So before they couldn't have any contact. Now they're allowed to make phone calls. They were also allowed to visit their families on Mother's Day starting in 1983. But if they did, they had to tell their families they were studying computers at a monastery. Is that the right word? Yeah. Say that right. That doesn't. Make any kind it of doesn't sense. make any sense. No, it doesn't. But that's what they had so, to say. That was their cover story. Um, it, so it fluctuates a lot. It, do they retain like a certain amount, like 20 or so core followers? Or is it like um, people leave and then they develop like a new 80 people? Or I don't really have the numbers for that. Like, I would say yes. Like, I don't know to say that it was 20. There were some that would have been, you know, the core group that was there all the time and others that came, left, didn't come back, new people come in, you know, that kind of thing. But I don't know the numbers on that. So uh, they had those changes where there could be more contact with their families on the outside to kind of make the group look better to the media and also to show the outside family members that the followers were staying of their own free will. They weren't being forced into anything. They were staying because they wanted to, which is wild. So as a reminder, at this point in the story, the group believes that they are going to be able to board a spaceship and go with aliens to live on a planet called Next Level. Okay? That's where we are up to this point. Right. Now, something happens that completely changes the ideology of the cult. Oh, boy. All right? Major turning point. This event directly influences their tragic ending that we're leading towards here. Okay? Okay. So, in 1983, Nettles got sick, and she had to have one of her eyes surgically removed from cancer that she had been diagnosed with several years earlier. Like, that's really sad. Um, And that kind of sets everything in motion here. So, she lives two more years, but she dies in 1985. Oh, no. And that, like, threw everything out of whack. Because this whole time, they've been saying, like, yeah, we are going to take our physical alive bodies, and we're going to step onto a spaceship— and go to next level. But now Nettles has died and her unchanged body is still left behind. Okay? Right. So that throws the entire beliefs off. So but, uh, like does it though? Because so well, for them it did because they were well, all thinking that they were going to physically step with their bodies onto this spaceship and travel. It was a yeah. physical transformation. But like they can be- all still do that, right? Like or is it because they all thought that she was a prophet that she said she was? Yeah, so they thought it would happen like so, within their with her lifetime. Okay, like she yeah. should have been one to go. So Apple White kind of has to spin this a little bit. 
He tells his followers that she traveled to next level because she had too much energy to remain on earth and abandoned her body in order to make the journey. So that was changing up the narrative because everybody was going to step onto the spaceship alive. But, but then that didn't happen. Nettles didn't step onto the spaceship alive. So now he's saying, well, she went without her body. And the group so, ate it up. Only one member left after this. Everybody huh. else stayed. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Um, now, Applewhite did get very depressed from missing Nettles, though. He started to question his beliefs and almost have like kind of a crisis of faith, which I can't imagine how different this story would have ended had he walked away at this point. But uh, so... The- the group members encouraged him and helped him like work through it, I guess, if you want to call it that. He had a he had a problem with his faith. Yeah. So he, he mm. fell into a depression after Nettles died because right. he missed her and he started to question everything he believed. He, but his followers talked him back into it. He started questioning all of the things that he just made up. Yeah. And like what a different ending the story could have had had he just had, stuck in that. <laughs> had he not have been such a good cult leader. Yeah. That made all of his followers extremely into everything that he was saying that yeah. they and they encouraged him back. They into convinced it. him. Uh-huh. So now the cult leading the leader. Yeah. So hmm. Interesting. Crazy, isn't it? Okay, so he like works through that. And uh Applewhite claimed that Nettles still communicated with him and he arranged a ceremony where he symbolically married all of his followers in order to create more unity and like bring them back together after this event. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. But it's still like, there was still no intimate relationships. It was just a symbolic marriage to be unified. Good. So he started going around explaining that he was left behind by Nettles because he still had more learning to do, but she had already occupied a higher spiritual role. So she was ready to move on. Yeah. And he wasn't ready yet. Right. It got weird, weirder. He started calling her the father and using male pronouns when he talked about her. Hmm. So I don't really know what that was about. Okay. We're getting through this. Now, things really go off the rails, even more than they already were. This I feel like every <laughs> every time there's like a new topic, they're like they're like they're doing something new and you're like now it's getting weird, and it's like it started weird. It got weirder. I know, every section, and it's been it, three other times. It's, it's gotten weirder. even weirder than it already was. Right, and like I'm not being dramatic. It, it continues getting weirder. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Applewhite again really switches things up here. Okay. He creates more like a he creates a stricter hierarchy with himself at the top, and he starts teaching that his students all need his guidance. So before you remember, like he and Nettles weren't really directly talking to people. Yeah, they were giving speeches. and Yeah, now he yeah. has changed that up. Okay. And this is where he turns the cult more religious. Oh, yeah. Uh, in a bad way. Good. He encourages his followers to see him as Christ and pres- starts to present himself as the only oh, way to salvation. Bad. Yeah. bad, 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 bad. Very bad. Uh, he also had to change the story of how everybody was going to get on the spaceship because of Nettle's death. Okay. So it's just it's going horribly wrong here. Previously, the idea, like I said, was that they would physically ascend from the earth, but now he has to say that it could also be a spiritual ascension because otherwise Nettles couldn't have gone because her body was still here on earth. So he has to say, oh, well, she ascended spiritually. Um, He believes that Nettles' spirit had traveled to a spaceship and got a new body on the ship, and he says the same thing's going to happen for the rest of the group. So they don't actually need their physical bodies, as you can imagine where this is going. 
Right. Oh, so, okay. Yep. He also further explains that he believes the biblical heaven like spoken of in the Bible is on another planet, which would be next level, where highly evolved beings live. And he thinks that once they all get there, they're going to somehow facilitate evolution on other planets. I don't even know what that means, but that's like that doesn't make any sense. I don't understand when people use like the Bible and the text the way it's written to be like, yeah, heaven is on another planet when it is so clear that it does not say that. And also all of your followers can just read it for what it says. But I guess like he and Nettles had combined a lot of different texts to kind of just like back up what they wanted to say because they didn't just use the Bible. Um, But anyway, again, going off the rails totally, this is what I kind of like gave you a little tidbit of earlier. He says that Jesus was an extraterrestrial that came to earth, Mm -hmm. got killed and rose again before being transported to a spaceship because humans were not ready to ascend when he came here the first time. Right. Uh, But good news. Apple white says there's a chance to enter the gateway to heaven every two millennia. So they're going to get another opportunity in the nineties. Conveniently. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's coming up again in the 90s. We just got to wait a few more years. We can do it. Right. We'll be ready the second time. Okay. So the group lays pretty low in the late 80s to the point that not many people knew they even still existed. Um, they're not really doing much. They did mail a document to several new age organizations in 1988 that had details of their beliefs, but they mostly flew under the radar until 1992. And this is when... They recorded a 12-part video series to teach their beliefs, and they broadcast it on satellite, like however that works. Yeah. I don't really know the process for that. Um, but during this whole time, like from the beginning of Applewhite and Nettles becoming friends up until now in the early 90s, hundreds of people had joined and left this group. So the membership changed a lot. But by the early 1990s, they were down to 26 followers. Okay. Um, That's one for every letter of the alphabet. <laughs> in May 1993, the cult changed its name to Total Overcomers Anonymous. Total Overcomers Anonymous. Toa. <laughs> yeah. And they paid $30,000 to publish a full-page ad in USA Today. And it was oh. about how there was going to be a catastrophic judgment on the earth. Huh. Yeah. So this ad prompted 20 former members to rejoin. So now they're up to like 40-some. Question. Mm-hmm. So you can just pay like <laughs> a publication yeah. to publish an ad. And and so they paid 30 grand. I mean, I guess money today. talks. If you have enough money, <laughs> they'll publish it for you, maybe. Country Roads Creeps is officially accepting donations. <laughs> to publish what you crazy stuff to, you want to say. To, to publish some of the most unhinged, crazy nonsense in a major publication you've ever seen. That's funny. All right, so uh, 20, 20 former members rejoin after that ad. How did they get the money? Did um, people so donate? The, well, they're pe- the, the people in the group still worked. Right. Most of them worked, I read, I forgot to put this in there, but it said a lot of them worked with computers and car dealerships, oddly enough. Okay. So, I mean, I guess that they just donated their money to the group. Okay, yeah. Um, huh. And then in 1994, Applewhite started doing public le- lectures, and that helped him increase membership again, too. Okay. 
Uh, so at this point, now we're in the early 90s, Applewhite's no longer as strict with his followers again. He starts spending less time with them again. He's been posting videos of his teachings online, but he got a lot of backlash and a lot of criticism for it. And so he was hurt by that. Yeah. Um, and this is like the very entrance of the internet. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He started to talk about how they would have to leave their human bodies to ascend. And this is when the name of the group was changed to Heaven's Gate. Okay. So it really actually wasn't called that except for a few years towards yeah. the end. Uh, yeah. From June. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. So they've got their website and stuff too. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that. That is, I looked at it. It is. It looks exactly the way it did in the 90s. Yeah. So who runs that now? We'll, we'll get to that. Okay. Put a pin in it. Okay. So from June to October in 1995, the group lived in New Mexico on 40 acres of land that they bought and they tried to build a compound on it. They called it the Earth Ship and they built it with tires and lumber. Um, during this time, Applewhite also wanted to start a monastery, but this didn't work out because, you know, he's like getting older, his health starting to fail. And the group abandoned the compound because the winter was cold. It was too cold for them to live in it. Yeah, because I guess they built it out of tires <laughs> and scrap lumber. So yeah. they went to live in houses in San Diego instead. Okay. All right. Uh, here's something else insane. Okay? okay. This is one of the craziest parts of the story, obviously, aside from the end. Other than the end, this is one of the craziest pieces. Uh, this is kind of what I was giving a warning about at the beginning there. Oh, so, boy. This is bad. Apple said that at next level, there was no marriage. And the beings that lived there did not have reproductive organs. Okay. So, in addition to all of the members wearing the same clothes and haircuts, eight of the men voluntarily got castrated. No kidding. No kidding, including Applewhite. Okay. Um, they, I don't know if this part's true. I read this, this little blurb on a Wikipedia article, I think. And Wikipedia said... That they had one of their members that was a nurse try to do the first one, and it didn't go well, and they almost killed the guy, and oh. he had to go to the hospital, and one person left the group because of it. Um, I don't know if that's true or not, but I do know that they found a surgeon to do the other ones. Yeah. I think it was a surgeon in Mexico that was willing to. It would have to be, yeah. The other eight. I can't imagine that. Or seven like, or whatever. A real doctor in the United States would, like. I mean, you'd oh, be eight of you ha are coming in for a walk-in castration. <laughs> Come along. I think you'd be surprised what some doctors here would do for money. Yes, yeah. but like I was like, I don't know. You know, did you see that Dee Dee Blanchard got released from prison? I don't know who that is. She was Sorry. the girl whose mom had uh, Munchausen's by proxy, and like that's when people make their kids fake sick so they can get attention. Oh, yeah. So, like, she, her poor daughter, she was abused her whole life. She, her mom would take her to all these hospitals and, like, convince the doctors that she was sick. And I think mm -hmm. the doc some of the doctors knew but didn't really care, and they would just do all these procedures anyway. It was horrible. So, right. I mean, you might be surprised what doctors in the United States might be willing to do. But yeah, this one said it was somebody in Mexico, which, I mean, kind of makes sense because they were down, like, near the border anyway. So it might have just been easier to go there. Um, I have something to say that's it, like barely related. Okay. <laughs> like hanging on by a string related. Okay. I saw a clip of the it's a plastic surgeon, I think. Or I don't I don't know. 
anyway, she said that um, it's like it. There's a statistic out there that 90% of females who get breast augmentation surgeries will, uh, when they wake up, their doctors have put in bigger implants than what they originally requested and agreed upon. I 100% don't believe that. There's not a chance it's 90%. And, well, so she said it's about 9 out of 10 women that they've interviewed are, um, have, have woken up from their surgeries and it's, and they've had like bigger or near double the size that they asked for originally. And the reasoning the doctors have given was because they're quote unquote, saving them money because most women come back in later to get even bigger I don't know about that. I have a hard time believing that. And I did too. And, but she said it with authority. (laughs) So (laughs) now I'm like, I'm going to repeat this at some point. That sounds like somebody just trying to start some rage, but. I hope it is. Yeah, I don't. Now that you mention it. I really don't believe that at all whatsoever. It. I'm sure it happens. I still find it very hard to believe that it's. I think it would be a lot more widely talked about. Supposedly. It was. Maybe. I mean. Yeah. Anyway, we're going to get back to it. We're almost at the end here. Uh, Actually, the heading says, my note says, the end of the cult. Or is it? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Okay. In October 1996, the groups rent out a 9,200 square foot mansion in Rancho Santa Fe, California. They paid $7,000 a month for this mansion in cash. Where did they get their money? Market change. They called it the monastery. I really hope I'm saying that word right because I've said it like four times now. It how's it spelled? M O N A S T E R Y. Yeah. I know it's like a place where monks live. It's a monastery. Yeah. It. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, you're gonna love this. Ready? They okay. also bought alien abduction insurance that covered up to 50 members for one million dollars per person if they were abducted, impregnated, or killed by aliens. Can't so uh, can't. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, that wind is crazy. Do you hear that? Yeah, there's something flying around my porch right now. Can you just get insured for anything? I think so. Can I insure? Can I insure? Can I don't even know what I was like. That's a myself. that's a good move on the insurance company's part because they're never gonna have to pay that out, probably. Ever. I'll never say never, but most likely they're not going to have to pay that out. So, <laughs> oh my God. Imagine if. <laughs> well, you, actually, there's aliens in Miami now, so maybe they will have to pay that out. Yeah. Well, not for those people. <laughs> but now is your time to get alien abduction insurance. Get alien abduction insurance, yeah. just in case. I don't think that there's aliens for the record, but that's <laughs> for another crazy. time. All right. Um, during this year, they have they recorded two different video messages to spread the word about the last chance to evacuate Earth on their spaceship. Yep. Now, they also learned about the Hale-Bopp comet that was going to be approaching. Is that different than Halley's comet? Yes. Okay. 
Which mm-hmm. which one was the cult that believed that Haley's comet was coming by and that they could get on and Are you sure you're not just mixing that up with this one? I probably am. Yeah. Uh, maybe. I mean, I don't know. There could be another one that also thought they were getting on a comet. Uh, Applewhite got it in his head that a spaceship was following this comet and that this was their chance. He thought Nettles was on the ship that was, like, tailing this comet that was coming. I don't know why he thought that, but he believed he, that just is what he thought. So, in late March teen, in late March teen, <laughs> what? March, March teen? <laughs> In, June, June 2nd. In late March 1997, the group members all individually recorded videos to say goodbye. Now listen, oh. you can watch these videos, but I did not, no. I am not going to, because I think that's going to be really upsetting. It makes me a little ill thinking about it. Um, I did not do that, nor I, am I ever going to, but they're, they're out there. You can see these people's goodbye videos. I would like to see one of them just to see like what the mood is, I okay, guess. Okay, so I wrote that, that down because like I did look at what people had to say about them because I d- d- knew I was not going to be watching them myself. Okay. Uh, reports said that everyone appeared calm in their videos. Many of them yeah. praised Applewhite. They repeated his messages and teachings. Nobody seemed like nervous or scared or sad. Like they're all chill about it. And they were just saying that this was goodbye and they were going to go to out the space, I guess. Yeah. That. Hmm. Yeah. That that is weird. Yeah. That I mean, yeah, I guess if you really believe that I mean they're the true believers, right? Yeah. So if you really believe that you're going to go on the spaceship and have a better life, then they're not worried about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. Hmm. It's uh have you ever heard the um the voicemails of the people who some of the people who died on 9-11? Um, one of them, I'm not going to be listening to any more of those either. Um, really upsetting. There was some of them that were obviously like very sad sounding, but some of them were like very, extremely calm sounding. Where Yeah, I think people sometimes just go into shock and like yeah. what needs to be done almost. Yeah. Just know what's and it's, what needs to be done. Yeah, and maybe it's a little bit of shock and also a little bit of like, I know... That I'm gonna die. Yeah. And so then I just have to like say the thing. But there was like one of the voicemails, the guy was like, it was very like matter of fact almost yeah. of like, you know, love you very much. Tell mom and dad I love them very much. But this is probably the last time that we're ever gonna talk. And then it's like, boy, that's like very, it's like shuddering how matter of fact it is in a situation yeah. like that. Not that. Like it's obviously extremely like different. Yeah, let's situations that before but, I start crying. Um, right, this was really different though because these people didn't think they were going to die; they thought they were going to ascend, like and yeah. still and just move into a different body. They didn't see this as death. Yeah, so that's kind of something I, I should, probably should have mentioned earlier. So um, now we're we're really getting into it now. Okay, but they they think it's their it's. it's They've moved from thinking that it's their actual physical bodies stepping onto a spaceship to their spirits, or have they gone back to thinking their spirits? They think their spirit is going to leave this body and get a new one when they get onto the spaceship. Right. So, uh, all right. This this is how they did it. So when they're ready, the comet comes. They're ready to ascend. 
they ate applesauce or pudding that had phenobarbital in it, and they drank vodka, and then they sealed plastic bags over their heads. What is phenobarbital? It's like a phenobarbital. Okay. Um, Barbiturate. Yeah. That's like a uh, like a quaalude. Uh, I don't know. I don't. Know. I'm not that informed in the drugs. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. Never, I'm not gonna say it. Never mind. But it's uh, like a drug. That people oh, is use. it like a drug, Shane? Is it like a drug? Yeah, well, I was trying to like screw around <laughs> what I was going to say, yeah. So, but I just ended up sounding stupid. It's okay. So, and I don't. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it is. They yeah. ate it. They drank the vodka. It was going to kill them. They sealed plastic bags over their heads uh, to assist with this. Yeah. Now, this is weird. They were all dressed in the same Nike shoes. They were all wearing Nike Decades sneakers. They all had on black shirts and hey, black sweatpants. Every, all, all PR is good PR. For <laughs> Nike. Just, they had, listen, just do it. Listen, they had armband patches on that said Heaven's Gate away team on their arms. <laughs> away team? Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. We're having very different experiences here on different yeah, sides I'm of like the Yeah, I'm like really disturbed and you're I'm really like, enjoying this. Okay. This is... That's, a love chain. People died. Okay. They had it was bad. They wanted to, but they had Nikes and they had Heaven's Gate away team. Like we're a travel, <laughs> we're a travel basketball team. Yeah. So I mean, like they they had to order those and have those made like in advance. You know, there was some planning <laughs> that went into this. Where did they get them from? How about that. Who made the the armbands? You can get them from anywhere. Like yeah. I mean, you can order anything now. But okay, there's more though. Listen. They also all had a $5 bill and three quarters in their pockets. And apparently yep. this is something they carried around regularly. The $5 was for uh, fines for breaking like vagrancy laws and the quarters were to call from pay phones. Okay. So they all carried that. Weird. Um, so the suicides took place over three days. And after a person died, a living member that was still left would remove the plastic bag arrange the body neatly on the person's bed and cover their head and upper torso with a square purple cloth. Okay. So they like did it in groups. Applewhite was the third to last to die. And then the last two members who did it were not covered by a cloth because there was nobody else there right. to do it for them. So did they still get to go or did they have yeah. to? I think they still got to go. Yeah. Could you, could you imagine like the argument there of like, <laughs> going we're going to need a couple people to be last. You're not going to, be able to be covered cloth. with the purple cloth. And they're like, do we still get to go? And they're like, yeah. Like, they had to you, draw straws. You gotta, like, kind of... You, but you have to, like, stand and use the handrail on the spaceship. You can't sit in the normal oh, seats like gosh. everybody else. You have to, you have to like, whenever you're on a crowded bus, like in Morgantown, they have the buses and you have to stand there and they yeah. hit the bumps and they go around the curves and yeah. it's, like, hard to stand. That sucks. Anyway. Okay. Now, but it's a spaceship, so you're going way faster. Right. And so, it was terrible. listen, this is how they got found. So, in preparation to doing all this, the group had sent packages out to various former members who had left and not returned, and also different, like, organizations that had been associated with them. So, one package went to a man named Richard Ford, who had previously joined the group and changed his name to Rio D'Angelo. I don't know why he didn't have to have the Rio D name, um, but he got his package on the evening of March 25th. So it had two videotapes in it. One was Apple White's message that he had been recording to like teach people what he believed, and the other had all the goodbye videos on it. 
and a letter discussing how the group members were, quote, going to exit their vehicles just as they had entered them. Which, that does not make sense to me because, like, they exited their vehicles with the drugs and the vodka, their vehicle being their body. That's not how they entered them. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. Uh, but cool, um, obviously, that raised a few red flags when they, D'Angelo got that package. They think that they're going to exit. They think that they're, like, incarnated from aliens, right, though? Right? Or Apple White. They didn't think yeah. all of them were. Right. They're all um, scrubs. Yeah. So D'Angelo tells his boss what had happened, and his boss, like, gave him a ride to the mansion to go check things out. They weren't close, so it was like the next day when they got there. They weren't close in distance. Um, Hold up. I'm sorry. It's okay. You tell your boss. <laughs> yeah. Hey, this. <laughs> so, funny story. Maybe they were friends. Like, they might have been buds. I, so, the cult that I used to be a part of. <laughs> I think they, they mass suicide. Yeah. And he's like, let's You drive go, me there to go look. Let's go check it out. Yeah, and and then the boss is like, "Yeah, but you're gonna have to use one of your personal tastes. right?" Yeah, because I mean, they didn't get there till like the next day, I don't think. Um, so they go and like D'Angelo finds a door that had been left open on purpose, so like somebody could come in and see what happened. He goes in and sees all the bodies, and they call the police. The San Diego Sheriff's Department got an anonymous tip, so like he didn't identify himself at first. On March 26th, but that was later revealed to be D'Angelo that had called. And so, you know, they go in, they get everything, they figure out what happened. All 39 of the members that died were cremated. Um, it was 21 women and 18 men between the ages of 26 and 72. 26, that's, you like, we're 27. Yeah. We could have been in a cult. We're nosy enough. Could still be in a cult. Mm-hmm. Are, are right now actively <laughs> participating in occult activities. Oh my gosh. Don't, you can't say occult activities. A, a cult, not O cult. <laughs> a, some cult activities. And the listeners are unaware. <laughs> Stop. That's not true. Okay, let me finish up this last section. This is just extra information that I didn't know where to put in. Oh, we love it. Okay, so there was no special reason why they wore the Nike Decades other than Apple White just really liked Nikes, and he got a good deal buying those specific shoes in bulk. Okay. He bought everybody Nike Decades because he got a good deal on them. Okay. Um, the cult also used the Nike slogan, Just Do It, but they pronounced it like Just Do It because that was Apple White's nickname, Do. <laughs> they Just Do It. Uh, would you believe that Nike was not a fan of all of this publicity? I would have thought that they would be. <laughs> they were not. They did not like being associated with the mass suicide, so they discontinued that shoe, and now they resale for a ton of money. I bet. Like $7,000. There was like an old pair that was in good condition found in a storage unit or something, sold for so much money. Could you imagine if it was like Crocs or something? <laughs> like um, Now, also, I wanted to read this. Just before the mass suicide, there their website, because they had the Heaven's Gate website still up and running, it was updated to say, Hail Bop brings closure to Heaven's Gate. Our 22 years of classroom here on planet Earth is finally coming to conclusion. Graduation from the human evolutionary level. We are happily prepared to leave this world and go with T's crew. 
So, like, again, they did not view what they were doing as a suicide. They were viewing it as, like, transportation. Yeah. You know? Um, And so, like, we were talking about the website earlier. The Heaven's Gate website is still up and running, and it is maintained by two unidentified group members that were left behind. Imagine being those two to be picked to stay back, and you don't get to go. They're believed to be Mark and Sarah King, but that's not proven. Okay. Do they still believe? Yeah. Whoever whoever the two are, they keep it up and running. And Shane, I'm going to tell you something, but look me in the eyes when I say this. Do not do what I'm about to say, okay? This is me telling you an option is available. This is not me telling you to do this thing, okay? Okay. They still answer emails on their website. No. To this day. Kidding. Yes. Whoever's running it will respond to your emails. Do not do that. Put your phone down. Everyone listening, do not email these people. Do not talk to the cult. Do not communicate with the cult. Why not? Are they dangerous? Uh, I mean, there's just no reason. We don't need to get this back up and going. You don't need to speak to them. I I did want to look at the website, though, because... It was interesting. It's very... It is, yeah. It, it's the same design as that it had in the Yeah, it hasn't changed. 90s. It's very... They kept the retro look. Um, Are you pulling it up on your phone? Yeah, so it's heavens, www.heavensgate.com. Yeah. And it's got, says up here, it, it's very 90s looking. It's very like, they've got like six different colored fonts. The background is space. Um, it's got the Heaven's Gate logo. It says red alert still flashing up at the top. And it says Hellbop brings closure to Heaven's Gate. And it's got the logo there. And then they've got this quote. Um, says, uh, as was promised, the keys to Heaven's Gate are here again in T-endo, and in parentheses says the UFO 2, as they were in Jesus and his father 2,000 years ago. Um, and I guess this, that that's what you read, basically. Um, this, like, paragraph here. But it says, if you study the material on this website, you will hopefully understand our joy and what our purpose here on Earth has been. You may even find your boarding pass to leave with us during this brief window. Um, we are so very thankful. We've been recipients of this opportunity to prepare for membership of the kingdom and to experience their boundless caring and nurturing. And so, and this whole thing is kept up by... Maybe Mark and Sarah King, but unconfirmed. Right. And they have... You can order a hard copy of the book. You can get the videotapes. Um, you can... I mean, this is... So, question. I, as... I have a sort of my own business where I run websites for companies. Do you think they would be interested in a website update, or do you think, <laughs> please don't like, do business with the cult, Shane? Please. They have lots of money, apparently. Probably not anymore. They're down to two members. Yeah, fair. Do you th- like? I don't know. I just so. Isn't that just like 
a crazy story and sad. Like, that's a pretty sad ending. It didn't have to happen that way. I I don't know if you would call this devil's advocate, but can I play like a devil's advocate very quickly? Um, sure. And like as respectfully as possible. Um, like I understand that people died, but that is what they spent years studying and talking about and wanting to do. Right. Well, not not until after Nettles died. Up till she died, they all thought that they were a spaceship was going to come down that they could walk onto. Right. Like getting on a plane or something. But they still the they ones got, that like brainwashed into believing that Yeah. It wasn't that way anymore, but they didn't see it as death. Yeah, or but like I mean themselves. I guess that's kind of what I'm saying is like they didn't really see it the way that we know that it is. Yeah, I guess, I mean, it's it's sad for their families, though. Yeah, it's a sad story, but it's not necessarily sad for the individuals. It's, I I think, so, okay, relatively speaking, it's the more peaceful kind of way that a cult could end, right? Yeah, and, yeah, I did kind of touch on that, like, as far as cults go, yeah. This one did not have like all the abuse that you commonly yeah. see. Like, so I mean, they had that going for them. Uh, there, it was a like, lot of free will. People could come. I mean, I'm please nobody interpret this as me saying they were a good cult. I'm not saying that, but I mean, did. people could come and go as they pleased. Um, I mean, I f- I think they were a little emotionally and mentally abused, but not intentionally because the leaders believed what they believed. Yeah. They weren't physically abused like a lot of the other cults. So, I mean, it was it was definitely different. It was still bad. Right. Um, I guess. In a different way. I guess I'm thinking of like. Like if we were talking like, about Jonestown. That's what I was going to say. So they didn't so have Jonestown, at the end. They, they, were, they were abused. They were taken to this place and they weren't. I don't think they were really allowed to leave. We're eventually going to do an episode about them anyway. Yeah. But. That's the one where it says, like... Like, that was very violent. The joke where, like, people are like, yeah, I drink the Kool-Aid for, like, talking about cults. It's like, that's yeah. where that came from. Yeah. There's people that survived because they knew that it was coming and they didn't drink the Kool-Aid. Or it was actually Flavor-Aid, but... Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's... I guess the my point is that, like, for as far as cults go, like... At least it wasn't, like, a very bad yeah no you're right you're totally right about that and the ones that did die went voluntary and voluntary yeah yeah you're right it is different not that that's a good thing but it's i guess for the situation it's better right yeah if that makes any kind of sense and and in no way is country roads creeps or me or hannah condoning cults or no, it's actually the opposite. We do or not encourage it. Mass casualty events or anything like that. But it's it's a very not not a good thing. So Yeah, and it's just like it's sad for the families, you know, that were left behind that probably had you to know, watch their loved ones get a, involved in something like this and not really be able to do anything about it. Yeah. I don't know. It it just is, um, it's unfortunate. Yeah. It, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, that, I mean, that's all the notes I have. I don't know what else to say about it, but I just thought that was wild because, you know, I had heard of this and kind of knew what happened at the end, but I didn't have any idea about the beginning, um, how it evolved over time, all the different beliefs that were a part of this. Yeah, they definitely evolved. For sure. Like every, it changed so much from beginning to end. My, my only knowledge about this beforehand was like they were waiting on a comet to come by. I didn't know that like all of this stuff was involved with like the aliens or like how the views evolved over time or anything like that. Like what the leaders presented themselves as. Still crazy that that they think they're the prophets in Revelation. So, and speaking of, because I mentioned earlier, Elijah was a prophet of God in the Old Testament, uh-huh. and he completely roasted the prophets of Baal. So do you remember <laughs> that story at all? Remind me. So Elijah in the Old Testament was uh, a prophet, and he was, at the time, there were these religious groups that were praying to Baal, who is like... I guess nowadays people know Baal or Baal, B-A-A-L, as like the name of like a demon or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but they that's who these other groups worshipped. And so Elijah came and spoke to these people and was like, hey, your, your God is like not, mm-hmm. is totally whack. And they're like, nuh-uh. And he's like, okay, well, and so he challenged him to a contest. And so at the Mm -hmm. time in, in old Testament days, it was very common to do uh, burnt offerings to God. Mm -hmm. And so what people would do is they would offer up like, you know, lambs or calves or whatever. And they would um, bleed them on the altars or whatever. There's like different ways to do these and then, and burn them. And the idea was that like the smoke rose up to god or whatever you'd have to like research all the customs and stuff but they i think they still do like the passover lamb and stuff in jewish cultures and stuff but it were regardless elijah challenged the prophets to a test and said we're gonna do an altar both of us and you can gather as many prophets as you want it's it's not happening and so you can um you pray and uh you can do, do whatever you feel like that would make uh him come down and show himself to you and then we'll see what happens so for like i think it was over like multiple days the prophets uh were praying and elijah just roasted them and was like why don't you why don't you be a little louder maybe he's sleeping maybe your god's sleeping maybe he's Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe, like, all this stuff, this crazy stuff. And then they, at the end, they were like, okay, well, he's not showing up. And Elijah was like, okay, well, um, douse my altar in water. Like, completely just flood it with water. And they're like, okay, whatever. And they're, like, obviously, like, rolling their eyes at this point. And he's like, hey, God, (laughs) do that thing. (laughs) And... And God sent down a pillar of fire and burned the altar in front of 
everyone. That's really cool. And <laughs> yeah, so he like, and he won, and it took. He was like, yeah, just no big deal. Took like ten seconds, and it was good. And so yeah, um, there's lots of like really cool Old Testament stories that uh, yeah, you like people don't really learn as like kids. Like when you grow up in like. Sunday like school. Sunday school and stuff, you hear like the very tame versions of stuff, like Samson, and that story is insane. Story of Samson, yeah, it is crazy. Um, yeah. So, all right, we're at about an hour and a half, so let's wrap it up. Anything else you want to say to end our first episode of the new year? It's going to get a little crazier this year. <laughs> we started off pretty crazy. We started off crazy. It's going to get this whole year, I think, is going to be full of some crazy episodes. I th- I'm i not sure what I'm going to do for my episode next. Um, that's okay, because I didn't know what I was going to do until yesterday. I started off saying that I was going to do a crazy serial killer, but like one that nobody's heard of. Um, and I'm not sure. I think I still will, and I think I'm going to do Alexander Pichuskin. Yeah, I haven't heard of him. Yep. Neither have I. <laughs> oh, did you just make that up? No, it's it's a real. I just haven't. I never heard of him before. I heard of him. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Okay. And it's something that I love. It involves that, and it's something that I would like to research and I hope there's enough information to do a full episode okay if not I'll just make it work yeah I'm sure I'll come up with something to talk about so like aliens in Miami (laughs) so anyway it is currently 9.39 p.m. (laughs) first episode of the podcast of 2024 is over and this is me signing out. Follow the Facebook and the Instagram page. And did you forget? We haven't done it in a long time. Be safe. <laughs> safe driving home. Yep, and the not deer. And do it right. It's the first episode of the new year. Do it right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Be safe driving home. Watch out for the not deer. Bye. No, don't hit that yet. I'm just kidding. Hit it.